Richard mentioned there, there was a team from Resurrection that went to Cambodia. Hey, there still is, uh, in case anybody's ner- worried about that. Uh, um, they're, they're still, uh, they're actually, I think, uh, um, uh, still in transit. It's about a <clears throat> 24, 28-hour trip, but uh, uh, they got safely, they've made their connections, and, and they're safely uh, in that process, and they'll be there about three weeks. We, we got a team back from Uganda this past week, actually, I think we've got maybe one more coming back from Uganda on, on that trip. and So just exciting stuff. We had a team in Israel earlier this year. So really neat, neat stuff uh, as, as you guys go and make a difference uh, in the world. Pretty, pretty cool. Well, Shabbat Shalom. Well, I didn't expect that. But the, uh, the uh, peace of Sabbath be with you. Uh, Shabbat Shalom is one of the traditional Jewish greetings leading up to and carrying on throughout uh, the celebration of the Sabbath every week. And as we continue our summer teaching series on kingdom living, looking together at the Ten Commandments and how God has called us, expects us to live as kingdom people in this world, we come this morning to the commandment directly related to the matter of Sabbath. So to get us focused and moving, would you stand with me please in honor of the Word of God? We're going to read together Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, that way we'll walk through the passage together. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. This is what the Bible says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now I've got to tell you, of all the commandments found here in Exodus chapter 20, It seems to me, at least, that there is more confusion about this one commandment than all the other nine combined. So I want us to take a little bit of time this morning to talk through it and walk through it and unpack it a little bit together. The passage opens, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, or I believe perhaps a little bit better, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what exactly does that mean? And how do you and I, as followers of Jesus in 21st century America, how do we respond to that? How do we walk that out? And the very first thing I want to point out to you this morning, the first thing I want to make sure you get hold of, is that this is a do this commandment. Most of the commandments come to us in do not do this form. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not make any idols and bow down and worship them. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. But this commandment comes in do this form. It is first and foremost a do this commandment, which is funny to me at least because it seems to me that most people still think of it in terms of do not, especially in terms of do not work. Now to be fair, the do not part shows up later in the explanation and application of the commandment, 
But the very first thing I want to make sure you get a hold of this morning is that this commandment is first and foremost a command to do something. It's not a command not to do something. So what is it you're to do? The answer is you're to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now the Hebrew verb translated remember here is the verb sakar, and it has pretty broad meaning and application, but the, the most basic idea of zakar is to mark something so that you can recognize it. So what does the commandment tell you to do? It tells you to mark the Sabbath day in order to keep it holy. Mark it, remember it, honor it, keep it. This is the do this. The commandment commands. Not simply refrain from work, but mark the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. God says mark the Sabbath day, and a rational question and response might be, why? Why does God command such a thing? What's his point? What's his purpose? What is God trying to achieve by commanding you to mark the Sabbath day? Mark the Sabbath day, why? Remember the Sabbath day, why? Well, the text says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But what does that mean? I believe the answer is found in the first part of verse 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Say, to the Lord your God. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a day of cessation, a day of rest, to the Lord your God. Pointing to the Lord your God, leading to the Lord your God. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God, a day designed to lead you to Him, to help you remember Him, because let's be very, very honest, it is easy to get busy and forget Him, to get caught up in the busyness and the harriedness of life, caught up with work, caught up with family, caught up in, in school and whatever you're doing, all the things you have going on, and lose connection with the Lord in the chaos. But when you understand the why of Sabbath, the do this of Sabbath, that it is a do this commandment to point you to God, a Sabbath to the Lord your God, then the whole thing begins to make more sense. Jesus clearly understood the why of Sabbath when he responded to some of his critics on one occasion. The Bible says he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. That is to say, the Sabbath, the Sabbath commandment was given for your benefit to help you and bless you and strengthen you. It was not, listen to me, it was not given as a test to see how much you love the Lord or if you really love the Lord. Yet i got to be honest with you, that's the way I find most people approaching it. Do you love God enough 
to set aside one day every week to worship Him? Do you love God enough not to mow your grass on the Sabbath day? So many people treat Sabbath like some sort of cruel test of fidelity. As if it were an arbitrary rule God imposed just to interrupt and, and mess up and disrupt your life so you can prove how much you love Him or else prove that you don't. But the Sabbath was not made by God so He could demonstrate His almighty right to mess up your day. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Part of it is about rest and your very real need for rest. But much more of it is about worship and your very real need for worship. The word Sabbath literally means stopping, a cessation from work, a, a, a literal stopping or rest. But listen, this commandment is not a stopping and rest in order to stop and rest. It is a stopping and rest to the Lord your God. It's not a Sabbath to Sabbath. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Mark the day why. To remember and love and worship and honor and thank and celebrate and enjoy the Lord. The God who made you and called you to himself. That brings me to my second question. Mark the Sabbath day how? Now, part of the answer is by resting, by stopping what you normally do, refraining from your ordinary sorts of work. After giving the do this commandment, mark the Sabbath day to keep it holy, God goes on to elaborate. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Without a doubt then, rest, a genuine cessation from your ordinary labor, is a critical part of how God expects you to answer the question, Mark Sabbath, how? But sadly, the truth is, some of the ugliest manifestations of legalism ever to appear in the Judeo-Christian tradition have arisen out of the matter of trying to answer the question, what does it mean not to work on the Sabbath day? The commandment itself, honestly, is a little bit vague. It, says, it does say plainly, on it you shall not do any work. But in Hebrew, there are actually two different words for work. The word here, melakal, which is a little bit more narrow in its application, and the word abodal, which is not the word used here, which is a little broader in its application. So the question is, what does it mean that you cannot do any melochal as you mark the Sabbath? Clearly, whatever it means, the Pharisees took it to extremes. For example, on one, on one occasion, they rebuked Jesus for allowing his disciples to pluck some grain, rub it in their hands, and eat it on the Sabbath day. 
in their understanding of not working, plucking grain was harvesting, rubbing in their hands was threshing. They might as well have been working in the fields all day. Jesus rejected that rebuke as unbiblical legalism. On another occasion, they rebuked Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day. To which Jesus responded, listen, it's okay to heal. On, it's not just okay to heal on the Sabbath day. It's okay to pull your ox out of a well or your sheep out of a pit. You can help people. You can bless people. You can do good on the Sabbath. The sad truth is, human efforts to neatly, finely, meticulously define precisely what you're not to do on the Sabbath has led millions and millions and millions of people over time to miss what they are to do on the Sabbath. Over time, rabbinical writers developed 39 Sabbath-keeping regulations and definitions. They even sought to define exactly how far you could walk on the Sabbath day. It was a distance that became known as a Sabbath day's journey, 2,000 cubits. You could leave your home and go to 2001, and you're a sinner. But listen, I want to, I want to make sure you understand none of that meticulous, picayune, narrow attempt at definition has anything whatsoever to do with what God had in his heart and mind in giving this commandment. Resting, stopping from your normal work is clearly part of how you are to mark the Sabbath. But remember, it is a Sabbath to the Lord, not a Sabbath to Sabbath. It's a rest to the Lord your God, not a rest to rest. So part of how you mark Sabbath is by resting. But the greater part of how you mark Sabbath is by worshiping. By gathering together with the people of God, just like you've done right here, right now, to praise and worship and thank the Lord and to hear from Him through the preaching and teaching of His Word to meet together with the people of God, to meet together with God Himself, and to worship Him in that context. And I want to say, if you do not believe this gathering right here is a big deal, I promise you, Jesus does. The Bible says when Jesus walked among us as a man, it was His custom, it was His habit, it was his ongoing, normal, regular routine to go to the synagogue to worship with other believers every single Sabbath day. This gathering is huge. This gathering is, in fact, crucial to obeying the heart of the Sabbath commandment and to becoming the people God has designed you to be. Those who say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian have completely, massively missed the point. It is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And to mark it well, you must mark it with worship. And to mark it well with worship, you must mark it with corporate worship. As you gather together with the people of God in order to remember. 
Now listen, think about it. In order to remember, something has to have happened beforehand. So you can look back on it and remember it now. And this Sabbath commandment, and frankly the gathering that you are in right now, are designed to remind. That's the the name of the message this morning. They're designed to remind you most especially who God is, what He's done, and what He has yet promised to do. Last week's psalm provides a fantastic example of the heart and intention of God in the Sabbath commandment, where it calls the people of God to gather together and remember, and in that remembering, to worship the Lord. Psalm 66, 5 and 6, we read it to open the service last week. It says, come and see, gather together, come together with the people of God. Gather together, come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. Come together, gather together, and remember what God has done. And then it gives you something to remember. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. The heart of the commandments right here in this psalm, gather together with the people of God, remember the goodness and the greatness of God, and out of that remembering, worship him. Have you ever noticed how often The Old Testament repeats things that God's done in the past. How often they refer back to his works in creation and judgment on Pharaoh and and the parting of the Red Sea. Have you ever noticed how many of the Old Testament celebrations and and activities uh, point back to things in the past? How the Seder meal, the the Passover meal points back to something in the past. The, The Feast of Tabernacles points back to the wilderness wanderings in the past. Why is that? The answer is related to the concept and the intention of Sabbath and the Sabbath commandment. All of it is designed to remind. So in marking Sabbath well, you rest from your normal everyday work in order to gather together with other believers and worship God by remembering His goodness and His greatness who he is as a follower of jesus a proper marking of sabbath for you means regularly stopping gathering and remembering at least two important things about god he is lord and he is savior first you remember him as lord and god the one who made everything out of nothing in giving the sabbath commandment God actually refers back to his acts of creation. And he ties the marking of Sabbath to a remembrance that God made everything, and when he was done, he rested. How do you mark Sabbath? By stopping what you normally do to gather together and worship and remember the God who made it all. The God who made you and then sent you into this world to represent him and bless it and bring it to him. The truth is we we very quickly blew that assignment. Choosing to go our own way, choosing to live for ourselves instead of for him, choosing to bless ourselves instead of our neighbors. We became estranged from God and from his purposes. And so God sent Jesus to show us who God really is, to show us who we 
really are supposed to be, and then to pay for our sins in a way we could not. So we could be restored to God and to His plan for our lives. How do you mark Sabbath? Number one, by remembering God as Creator and Lord. And number two, by remembering God as Savior and Redeemer. Remembering what He's done for you in Jesus, rejoicing in the good news of the gospel. How God the Father worked through God the Son to restore you to Himself and His plan for your life. I believe with all my heart Jesus had the Sabbath commandment in mind when he instituted the blessing, the sacrament of Holy Communion and gave it to us as a sacramental tool to help us worship together by remembering together the goodness of God in Jesus. Do this, Jesus said, in remembrance of me. Do this, Jesus said, to remember me. Mark Sabbath, why? To honor the Lord. It is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Mark Sabbath, how? By stopping, resting from your normal activities, gathering together with the people of God, and worshiping God together as you remember Him. As I move toward closing, let me take just a moment to deal with the question, Mark Sabbath, when? When should you mark Sabbath? The first part of the answer is every week. <clears throat> every seven days, just like clockwork. Week in, week out, once a week, every week. Part of the genius of this commandment is its regularity, its rhythm, its routine. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God to help you remember the Lord your God by forcibly bringing you back and turning your attention once a week, every week, to the Lord your God, just in case maybe you've wandered a little bit as you've gone off through the busyness of your week. Experts will tell you remembering requires spaced repetition. To remember something well, you need to hear it six times over a set, specified period of time. God knows exactly how your brain works. So he gave you a commandment to remember, and then he structured it in a way to help you remember. A weekly time to stop what you normally do, come together with the people of God, and worship him by remembering. It is a commandment designed to remind. And the weekly regularity of it is much of its power. As a result, corporate worship, just like this, by the grace and the power and the design of God, helps shape and form and mold you into the people God wants you to be. You can absolutely take these gatherings lightly. You can absolutely blow them off at the drop of a hat, skip them with, with complete disregard. For You can absolutely take these gatherings lightly. And it will absolutely impact how well you are shaped and formed and molded together. 
into the people God's called you and created you to be. Weekly corporate worship is not just some old, long-standing religious tradition. It is a crucial part of God's plan to train and mold you into the people He's created you to be. This is where you catch kingdom culture. This is where you learn to live kingdom lives as kingdom people. The person who says, I keep Sabbath every day. I honor the Lord all the time. Fails to understand the commandment. Fails to understand the nature of life. Fails to understand his own memory. Fails to understand the power of rhythm and pattern and repetition. To say, I honor Sabbath every day is to admit you do not honor Sabbath at all. God has woven rhythm into the very fabric of life and creation. Repetition, order, rhythm, and routine, it's everywhere in the design of God. Day follows night, follows day, follows night. Every 24 hours. You work, you rest, you work, you rest in a never-ending rhythm a never-ending pattern of repetition. Winter, spring, summer, fall, year after year after year after year by the design of God himself. When you've just about had all you can take of winter, just then come the first signs of spring. When you've finally wearied of the long, hot days of summer, just then the air begins to cool with the first fresh changes of autumn. Yes, you should honor the Lord every day, but that in no way relieves you of the need to set aside one day every seven to stop what you normally do. Gather together with the people of God and worship Him by remembering His greatness and goodness. The person who who chooses not to tithe because everything I have belongs to God will invariably find at the end of the year he's given much less than 10% of his income to the work of the Lord. To mark the Sabbath day, and so mark the Sabbath day when? Every week, just like clockwork. It should matter. It should calendar your week. It should be a big deal. We've, when we're on vacation, we, we find a place to go to church and worship. Not, not, not as a religious obligation, but because we believe it is important. That raises one final question. Every week, on Saturday or Sunday, and I'm going to tell you what you might already know, this question has been hotly debated in Christianity since almost the very beginning of Christianity. And I want to submit to you, it has been hotly debated for years and years to almost no one's benefit, with the possible exception of the devil. In my opinion, this debate leads to confusion, distrust, and different camps, but very, very little help in understanding or keeping God's Sabbath intention. 
Having said that, I will close with a few quick thoughts. First, there can be absolutely no question whatsoever that the original commandment refers to the, uh, specifically to the seventh day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. There can also be no question whatsoever that according to the reckoning of the Old Testament, the seventh day is sort of the day we call Saturday. Why do I say sort of? Because according to the reckoning of the Old Testament, the seventh day starts at sundown Friday and carries on till sundown Saturday. Nothing at all like what most of you consider a day. Finally, there can honestly be no doubt that the New Testament is deeply committed to moving you far away from a narrow, legalistic concern with a particular day. The rabbinically trained Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome and said this, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. What did he mean? by disputable matters. Fundamentally, he's referring to very narrow interpretations and applications of Old Testament law. He says so as much in a few verses later. One man considers one day uh, more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Again, the rabbinically trained Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth and says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Very early on, Christians began assembling for worship on Sundays, initially as well as on Saturdays, and eventually in lieu of. Sundays became for them very early on a day they referred to as the Lord's Day. Based on the book of Acts, those gatherings included, those Lord's Day gatherings included sharing together in Holy Communion and listening to the preaching or teaching of the Word of God. In fact, the first liturgical rule of the church is the Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day. When you read the New Testament, you find that arguments over details related to the specific application of Old Testament rules were a constant source of frustration for the apostles as they sought to lead and grow and mature the church. So my advice is this. Obey the Word of God wholeheartedly in the heart and the spirit in which it was given. And I promise you, the word of God was never given to be followed in a fearful, narrow, legalistic way. In this case, regarding this commandment, that means find a day, every seven days, to rest from your normal labor, to gather together with the people of God, and to worship God as you remember Him together. Stop and worship by remembering together. Will you say that with me? Stop, worship, remember together. Stop, worship, remember together.
together. Recall the greatness of God in creation. The goodness of God in the gospel. That's why we do this every week. And why it needs to matter to you immensely. Why it should honestly dominate your calendar. Why this day, this gathering, this worship, together with the people of God, remembering God together, ought to be incredibly important to you. Too few Christians today take gathering together for corporate worship each week as seriously as they should. I pray you are never one of them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Uh, Lord, and, and, and for the way in which, great as you are, big as you are, you design things for our benefit. And even when you command things that, that maybe are initially hard to understand, that, that, that may not uh, uh, fit neatly into our hectic American way of life, you do it for our benefit, you do it for our good, ultimately to draw us closer to you and the life you've called us and created us to live. Help us to be a people who love you deeply and so desire to walk as kingdom people. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together to remember you and worship you together. May we esteem it as we should. In Jesus' name, amen.